Good morning again, everyone. Currently, our series is on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, as we've learned, is the third person in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one God, same in substance, equal in power and glory. As we've said before, the role of the Father is primarily creator, sustainer. The role of the Son is primarily Redeemer and Lord. And the role of the Holy Spirit is primarily Comforter and Guide. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one God in three persons functioning together in divine oneness. Now the Bible teaches us that when an individual believes in Christ, they immediately receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in the life of all believers. As the scriptures teach us, indeed, the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God. Amen? Amen. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit was initially poured out on the first believers on the day of Pentecost, recorded in Acts chapter 2. Now, after Jesus' resurrection, he presented himself alive to many of his followers on several occasions over the period of 40 days. And during these presentations, Jesus would give evidence to his resurrection as well as to give final instructions to his followers. The Bible records it like this. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the, pro the Father had promised, which he said, You have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So we see the, that John the Baptist was the last prophet. He was the forerunner of Christ. John's baptism was a preparation for the coming of the Messiah. John himself said, As for me, I baptize you in water, but the one who is coming is mightier than I. I am not fit to untie his sandals. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. But now we see that the Messiah has come, fulfilling all of God's redemptive purposes, and the promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is now just around the corner. Jesus continues in the book of Acts, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and even the remotest parts of the earth. But what does this mean, you will be my witnesses? What impact will the outpouring of the Holy Spirit have on the people of God? What will be the outcome of the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all people? That's exactly what I want us to discover this morning. Again, the Bible tells us that after the 40 days of presentation, Jesus ascended into heaven and he took his seat 
on the heavenly throne of grace at the right hand of the Father. And a group of about 120 of Jesus' followers gathered in an upper room in Jerusalem. They were praying and they were waiting for the promise of the Spirit. Now after 10 days, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning when they were all together in one place. And the Bible tells us suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that these faithful followers of Christ at that point rushed out into the streets of Jerusalem proclaiming the gospel of salvation through Christ. And they did this in a miraculous way proclaiming the gospel in foreign languages that they did not even know. This proclamation of the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem continued for the next three hours, from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock that morning. Now, when the citizens of Jerusalem heard this proclamation of the gospel, they were amazed and astonished. So Peter stood up and spoke to the crowd, saying, This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel, and it shall be in the last days, God says, I will pour forth my spirit upon all mankind. See, what Peter was explaining to the people was that this proclamation of the gospel in the streets of Jerusalem on that day was an outcome of the Holy Spirit being poured out upon these followers of Christ. What was happening was a fulfillment of the Father's promise to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. Peter continued, Men of Israel, listen to the words, Jesus the Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, just as you yourself know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Peter continues, This Jesus God raised up, to which you are all witnesses, therefore having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth to you this day both to see and to hear. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when the crowd heard this, The scriptures tell us that they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what must we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. So then, those who had received his word were baptized, and on that day there were added 
3,000 souls. Now at the moment, at that moment, the church of Jesus Christ was born. And the promise of the outpouring of the Spirit was fulfilled. Not only to the 120 that had gathered in the upper room, but now to these 3,000 who had received Christ on that day. We see that all those who believe in Christ on that day and every day since until the Lord Jesus will come will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what can we conclude from this these opening passages about the birth of the church. Well, we can see that one of the outcomes of the outpouring of the Spirit of God is the proclamation of the gospel. We see the 120 coming out of the upper room proclaiming the gospel in a miraculous way. We see Peter standing up and giving a whole discourse basically outlining the gospel. And we see the gospel fully at work piercing people's hearts and bringing them to saving faith. Now this proclamation of the gospel is not the use of persuasive words. It's not the superiority of speech, but rather it's the proclamation of the testimony of God in the demonstration of spirit and power so that people's faith would not rest in men, but people's faith will rest in God. Someone shared the gospel with you, proclaimed the gospel to you. And you probably remember that person's name. But that person wasn't the one really proclaiming the gospel to you. It was the Spirit of God speaking to your heart, proclaiming Christ to you, working faith in your heart so that you would believe. We see that the simple proclamation of the gospel is simply... I can't, but Jesus did. I can't, but Jesus can. The point that I want you to see this morning is that the proclamation of the gospel, though, is not the only outcome of the outpouring of the Spirit in the lives of the believers. I want you to see the continuation of the narrative here. Remember, we have the 120 Now we have the 3,000, the promise of the Spirit being given to all of them. The church is born. Believers have received the promise of the Father of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We see a proclamation of the gospel. But what else do we see? The scriptures tell us that all those who had believed were together and they had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing with them all as many might have need. Day by day, continuing in one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were partaking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So notice that these new spirit-filled believers had all things in common. Notice that they were sharing with them all as anyone might have need and taking meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. 
So we can conclude that the ministry of mercy is another outcome of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. Both the proclamation of the gospel and the ministry of mercy are the direct product of the outpouring of the Spirit in the lives of believers. The proclamation of the gospel produces works of mercy, which proclaims the gospel, which produces mercy. It's circular. The, the gospel is preached, and what does it produce? Works of mercy, which does what? Produces the gospel being preached, which does what? Produces mercy, which does what? You get the idea? It's a, it is the outcome of the Holy Spirit, both the proclamation of the gospel and the ministry of mercy. Clearly, the church of Jesus Christ is a gospel community in word and deed. A gospel community in word and deed. But is Acts chapter 2 the only time that we see this dramatic work of the Spirit in the life of the church? And the answer is no. Now you need to start getting really good at this because I'm going to ask this question several times in the sermon, okay? And I'm just going to give you a hint. Every time I ask the question, the, the answer is what? No. Okay, good. So let's practice. Is Acts chapter 2 the only time we see this dramatic work of the Spirit in the church? No. Just a little time later, Peter and John were arrested for healing a lame man and, the, and proclaiming the gospel on their way to the temple to pray. The religious leaders in Jerusalem were greatly disturbed because Peter and John were teaching the people and proclaiming in, G, that Jesus, in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. So they laid their hands on them and they put them in the jail until the next day because evening had already come. But many of those who heard the message believed and the number of, of men came were about 5,000. About 5,000. So now we have over 8,000 believers, new believers in Jerusalem. And it's just a few days since the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But what is the first thing we see here? The proclamation of the gospel. So after Peter and John's release, the scriptures teach us that the church had gathered together for a prayer meeting. And I want to listen, I want you to listen to the words that they prayed to God. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your purpose predestined to occur. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So what are they praying for? 
They're praying for boldness and confidence to be able to proclaim the gospel, which is the first outcome of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. It says that when they had prayed, the place where they were gathered together were shaken, was shaken. That would be a cool prayer meeting to be at, wouldn't it? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And to begin to speak the word of God with boldness. Again, a confirmation. It's the outcome of the Holy Spirit being poured out into the life of the believer. But notice this. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed anything belonging to him was his own. But they had all things in common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all. Notice, for there was not a needy person among them. For all who are owners of lands or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet. And they would be distributed to each one as any had need. So what do you have? You have this proclamation of the gospel. You have this prayer to have holy boldness to proclaim the gospel. That's the first outcome. And then what's the second outcome? Ministry of mercy. It's the same thing we saw in Acts chapter 2. It's happening now in Acts chapter 4. Don't you see it? The outpouring of the Holy Spirit produces a gospel community in word and deed. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit produces the proclamation of the gospel and also produces the ministry of mercy. But does it stop in Acts chapter 4? <laughs> Good job. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the twelve summons the congregation of disciples and said, It is not desirable that we would neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, select among you seven men of good reputation, note, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, I want you to notice Acts chapter 6 begins with this idea that the disciples were, were increasing. So if the disciples were increasing, what had to been taking place? The proclamation of the word. But the proclamation of the word produces the ministry of mercy. And here we see that in helping and serving the widows, these Hellenistic Jews. And notice again, one of the qualifications of the candidate would be that they would be full of the spirit. Now, the Bible tells us that this statement found full approval by the whole congregation, they chose out seven men to oversee this ministry of mercy to these neglected widows. So, we see that the result of the ministry of mercy, proclamation of the gospel is taking place, disciples were increasing, ministry of mercy to the neglected widows. Now what's going to happen? We're still in Acts chapter 6, the next verse. The word of God kept on spreading. The number of disciples beginning to control with great in, increased greatly in Jerusalem, and many priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Proclamation of the gospel, many disciples are coming. Ministry of mercy, caring for the widows. 
produces the proclamation of the gospel. Y'all getting this? Why is why do we neglect this? It's so obvious that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit produces a gospel community in word and deed. The outpouring of the Spirit produces the proclamation of the gospel and also produces the ministry of mercy. But does it stop in Acts chapter 6? <laughs> now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine over all the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the re relief of the brethren in Judea, living in Judea. And they did this, sending it in the charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. Again, we see this proclamation of the word of God through these prophets, which produces what? The ministry of mercy. Notice that the, that the Spirit is the one who indicated that there would certainly be a great famine. And how did the church respond to this proclaimed prophetic word? In proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to, to send a contribution for relief to the brethren living in Jerusalem. Proclamation of the gospel, ministry of mercy. Notice that Barnabas and Saul, which of course we know is Paul, delivered this relief offering to the elders in the church of Judea. Paul would write later on in his ministry, they only ask us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. So hopefully you can see that there is a consistent message going on within the early church, which is the outpouring of the Spirit produces a gospel community and word of deed. The outpouring of the Spirit produces the proclamation of the gospel, which produces the ministry of mercy. But this outpouring of the Spirit that produced this ministry of mercy it is not restricted just to the book of Acts. Let me just share with you just a few verses. The Apostle John writes... As he's proclaiming the word in written form, whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? The Apostle Paul celebrates the outpouring of, of the Spirit in the churches of Macedonia who gave according to their ability and even beyond their ability, begging for the opportunity to be involved in the ministry of mercy to support those who are in need. And the Apostle Paul would teach his young church planters as he did to Titus. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Brothers and sisters, the outpouring of the Spirit produces the proclamation of the gospel that produces the ministry of mercy. The church of Jesus Christ is a gospel community both in word and and indeed.
Hopefully, you can see it clearly within the pages of Scripture. 